This is Rating Descending. Where we watch IMDb's Worst 250 so you don't have to. My name is Abigail Ward. And I'm Michelle St. Clair. And tonight we watched Supergirl. After losing a powerful orb, Kara Zor-El, Superman's cousin, comes to Earth to retrieve it and instead finds herself up against a wicked witch. Let's go. Tonight, I am drinking a delicious homemade mojito because I am celebrating a new job. What are you drinking, Michelle? Uh, Well, last episode, I was drinking a, uh, what was uh, Wayward Brewery's Sour Aid, which is a Powerade meets a a sour beer. That's fine. And the flavor was Blueberry Blast Beer or something. Yummy. Uh, But I'm... I'm not drinking anything. Maybe I should drink something. No, I'm not drinking anything this episode because last time I drank something, it made me really sad. Oh, why? I don't know. I have a, I, I, I think I've even mentioned on the podcast, I have a up, up and down relationship with alcohol. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's fun. And then sometimes I'm like, if I'm feeling a little sad, it'll just make me a little too sad. Oh my God. I a hundred percent agree. I think I've been really careful with alcohol because I don't drink it anymore. If I know I'm in a bad mood or if I've had a tough time, like if I've had a down yeah. day, and I'm invited to drink alcohol, I'm getting to that point in my life where I'm saying no because I know that I'll end up crying. And, like, alcohol just intensifies your emotions. So if you already know you're in a shitty place, you don't want to pick up a fucking can of beer or a glass of wine and drink into it because it'll just make it feel worse in three hours. Well done, Michelle. You get a little badge from Abigail's school of saberism. Oh, thank you. Where would you like the badge? Wow. My belly button. No, no, no. It goes on your clothes, not your skin. Oh, the, the part of my shirt that hangs over my belly button. You've got a real naval fantasy going on here, Michelle, but I'll, I'll oblige. Well, it's more that I... I wanted that the first time, and then this is the <laughs> closest approximate. It's not a no, whole thing. No, you're a naval a- fetishist, <laughs> and now we know that. Thank you for doing I mean, I, I do love a good soft tummy, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> make it a fetish. Liking a body Ooh, part isn't what a fetish is. You have a sexuality. <laughs> That's gross, and I condemn it. I mean, you joke, but that is sometimes what discourse on Twitter feels like. <laughs> it's like... Um, people had sex adjacent to a piece of media I consumed. That's fucked up. Nice. Fair enough. What are you, what media are uh, you consuming at the moment, Michelle? Excellent fucking pivot. Love it. The other night, my girlfriend and I watched a couple movies because of the nature of this list, like this whole podcast. Wait, 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 wait. You have a oh, girlfriend? Okay. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. What's her name? Brooke. Oh my you've God. met her. That's so cute. Oh, we lived oh together for over a year. Oh, that's so I was hard. there. Because of the nature of this podcast, we've both joked before, like this is the majority by far of movies that I've like, I've never watched this many movies this consistently in my life <laughs> since I was like 17. <laughs> At least in this way, you are assured to watch a movie per week. It is, it's a nice agenda yeah. to stick by. Like I'm watching things all the time, but it's like new, specifically new content rather than defaulting to rewatching things. Mm. And so I've been much more, conscientious since having slightly more free time to go like let's watch a movie instead of allowing myself to just continue to watch whatever is already on like allowing the inertia of the evening to continue i've been showing my girlfriends indiana jones which has been good because she's never seen them 
You've got uh, yeah, more multiple. than one girlfriend. That's no, rad. no, no. Brooke just has several forms. Like when you met her, that wasn't even her final form. Oh my and, god! Uh, yeah. Wow. It's pretty hot. Like it's yeah, Digimon. Fucking you hot. Digimon? Are you talking about? Dragon Ball Z. I, I mean, that was a reference to Dragon Ball Z. Okay, nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. With Freezer in particular. Love it. In Digimon, love. they do have multiple forms, but it's that's because it's Digivolution. It's you know different forms in a much different way. Whereas Freezer's different forms were to do with like power scaling. I guess they're similar. I is Freezer a Digimon? I just huh. like I think that we should start calling transitioning as like becoming your final form. That's what I think it should be called from now uh, on. I like that. My, I like that. My final and truest form. I think of it. Sometimes I've thought of it as like in Pokemon how they evolve. Because before I was like a dirty, filthy little worm, <laughs> and then now I am a uh, slightly cleaner, <laughs> filthy little butterfly. You were a worm. You were. <laughs> I have also been reading Boswell's Life of Samuel Johnson, and it's what, fucking what, amazing. What? So you know Samuel Johnson, the guy that wrote the dictionary. He wrote a lot of like what. Samuel Johnson. What, what you, what, it it's it sounds like you're doing a bit. I'm not included on. I don't know who that is, and oh. I I don't I didn't know he wrote the dictionary. So <laughs> Samuel Johnson was like a. a I assume you mean not was, the dictionary. He was an intellectual and a writer of poetry and prose from like the 18th century, and when he was in his 30s, 40s, he was commissioned to. He was a what they call a lexicographer. And he was like oh. really into collecting words. Someone commissioned him to write a dictionary because they didn't have a very good modern English one. They barely had anything. So he spent seven years writing a modern English dictionary and he is credited as one of the first to ever write a modern English dictionary. And then 150 years later, we got the Oxford Dictionary. So Johnson's Dictionary was referred to for 150 years. And Wow. I, yeah. You really weren't doing a bit. He really wrote the dictionary. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've always been Which, by the way, if Samuel Johnson is a character in Blackadder the Third. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> To be fair, by the way, if you didn't live in a world with a dictionary, it would be a weird idea. It's like, can you make a book, a, a difficult resource to make of just like every word? We don't have a resource of them. So if you could just like define every word, yeah, that well, would be great. Well, I mean, like in the episode of Blackadder, he is this guy that's walking around scribbling down words he can remember so that he can then mm. go back and do a definition of them. But yeah, I mean... Right, right, Samuel, can you write every word? <laughs> well, in Blackadder, Samuel Johnson is just, is portrayed by, like, uh, Robbie Coltrane, who has turned out to be a bit of a... Um, yeah. uh, and yeah. and, and yeah. What's her name? I can't even remember her name anymore. <laughs> J.K. Rowling? J.K. Rowling sympathizer, <laughs> which is sad. Yeah. He's, he's a J.K. Rowling apologizer, um, apologist. But... Samuel Johnson wrote the dictionary and this guy called Boswell, this Scotsman who followed him around and was also his own writer, but not very prolific. He came out with his own biography of Samuel Johnson and it is hailed as the best biography ever created and ever written. And I'm reading it at the moment and I swear to God, Michelle, it's like this thick. And by the way, listeners, when I motion this thick, I am referring to roughly maybe like the size of your iPhone in terms of width, not length, but like width. Across. Yeah. Like full dick size, full dick size. This is yeah. Absolute. The standard, the standard dick size. It's huge. It's a huge fat book, but I'm loving it so much and I'm really enjoying going through it. And I feel like I'm being slowly educated to the whims and fancies of Samuel Johnson. I want to read everything that he read and, and I want to know every word that he knew, which is a dictionary's worth apparently. 
<laughs> yeah, just read the dictionary. You'll understand it. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> it's educational, but I'm loving it. Nice. That's good. No, we're done. I don't actually want to talk about this film anymore. Bye, Michelle. No. Bye. no, 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 no. No. <laughs> Speaking of Samuel Johnson. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. There's, there's no relation. <laughs> Speaking of, the of lexicography, <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's no relation. Speaking of dictionary, I'm just kidding. There's an absolute. What are you speaking of, Abigail? Huh? What? What are you speaking of? What are you speaking of? Well, actually, speaking of uh, the, you know, uh, things that we enjoyed, here's something uh, that, that we did not enjoy. <laughs> I, ooh. I made it, I made it, I really pivoted <laughs> Your deft movement through language is astounding to behold How did you do it? <laughs> well, the definition of pivot according to Samuel Johnson's dictionary Oh my god <laughs> Right, um, the definition of pivot is go from one to the other <laughs> Actually, what is the definition of pivot according to Samuel Johnson? Don't look Jones? it up now. This is not good radio. I want to know. I don't you think... looking up the dictionary is not good radio. What? It's not even in Johnson's dictionary. That's bullshit. Speaking of things we didn't enjoy, this week we watched Supergirl. Nice. The 1984 film and follow-up to Superman 1, Superman 2, Superman 3, and then preceding Superman 4. Yeah. I didn't realize it came before Superman 4. It did. It was wedged. Which, by the way, you mentioned it came out in 1984. I already knew that just because it's one of those movies that when you look up on IMDb, it'll particularly tell you the date because, like... There's multiple films with the same name. Yeah. When you watch it, you really don't feel it. It definitely feels like it could have been made at least a decade, maybe even two before. It's incredible. The production value of it is just stunningly low. Shockingly. Even just the style of filmmaking in general felt decidedly late 60s. I'm like, I've seen episodes of (laughs) The Goodies that looked like this. (laughs) It was, yeah, it was, it was shockingly like, I think obviously we, we watched a low quality version of it, which doesn't matter to me at all. But even if it was high quality version, like even if it was a high quality version there are shots of supergirl flying through the air as expected and you can really just see the wires you can see how she's dangling it's not effective it looks stupid i I understand the limitations of like rear projection technology oh sorry for that okay well at least (laughs) listen as abby very firmly put up her finger to the zoom call (laughs) intimated me to stop so that you could fully burp into the microphone hey it's been a few weeks you know we we've got to give the audience Uh, yeah i've really stored that one for you i think that's a special that's a gift to the (laughs) listeners (laughs) okay um hereby guaranteeing you burp again oh yeah baby um I understand the limitations of like rear projection technology versus modern green screen and stuff. Like I don't mind that the the style of VFX is old, but it is decidedly cheap and bad. <laughs> it's not a good time. Not a good time at all. But overall with this film, I mean like <laughs> I thought it was I actually watched this and I was lucky to. I watched this with Tony today. Like, we both watched it so we could talk about it because Tony loves Superman. Tony is our good friend and he knows a lot about the DC universe. So he watched mm. it and then he told me a bit about what he knows about Superman. And um, it was really interesting getting that insight. But what we can conclude is that this film 
plot-wise was absolutely fucking bonkers because there's little to no explanation about a lot of the characters, about how people know certain things, about how people develop certain things. Like Supergirl becomes a Supergirl with really very little practice. She almost seems unsurprised mm. that she becomes a Supergirl. Oh, yeah. And um, I was just so befuddled the entire time. I had to keep referring to the plot and I was still lost. I've complained uh, about many of the episodes about them taking way too long to get into it. Notably, uh, two weeks ago with Look Who's Talking Now, them taking 30 minutes to buy a dog. This had a different approach in that fucking open frame you're in inner space in a strange crystal <laughs> contraption. Someone is referring to the, what was it, like the, the Omega Hedron <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> and moving through the dimensional quarters. Oh, but Zal El's uh, daughter, uh, Kara, is on the loose and <laughs> you can create life. And I'm like, what the fuck yeah, is going they on? They launch you into the deep end with this film. I had to stop and restart. I'm not even kidding. I stopped and restarted that sequence three times so I could fully listen and understand what was going on because i was like we're in a spaceship i don't know who these people are mm. peter o'toole is here our main lead is already here and she's already lost something very vital to these people and i don't understand why it's vital i had to go back and rewatch it three times to understand the opening sequence because there just wasn't a clear enough explanation of who people were what was going on what was important what the premise was but as soon as but it really like as you say like we've complained a lot about films taking a long time to start off this film starts really quickly it really thrusts you into the deep end but the problem with this film is that the plot is nonsensical it is nonsensical it is not like there is a lot that they explained in the opening and i feel like despite the blitz of confusion i mostly get it one thing that's not signposted, she loses this glowing orb, the Omega Omega Hedron, by it flies out of the spaceship, which, by the way, the exterior of the spaceship seems to be made of cellophane. Yeah. Like, it, it's the most flimsy material that she almost gets sucked through it. Yeah. They're then going, hey, if we don't get the Omega Hedron back, this whole place, we're all going to die. Yeah. And she, ignoring that, so she's not hearing that, goes to this little egg pod spaceship out of just wonder and mischief and gets into it and gets propelled out into space. Hey now, hey now. And then... Hey, 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 hey. I haven't done the overview yet. You're really spoiling this. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, what I was just going to say is just the specific bit of... uh, What was the the leader's name, like the Peter O'Toole character? His name is actually... I had it written down. Let me just find it again. It's it. Everything ends with um. You know how like Superman's real name is like Carlel or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So her name is Kara Zorel, and Peter O'Toole's character is Jorel. Oh no 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 no! Hang on, hang on. Zoltar. Jorel Superman's dead. Zoltar. Yeah. Zoltar then turns to Kara's parents and goes. Your death will be swift, but mine, I, in the Phantom Zone, will be in pain forever. And I'm like, wait, did she condemn all these people? It is not established until, like, 60 minutes later that she is trying to save them. It's very weird. It's so weird. Essentially, it's it's almost like... It's it's like Zoltar knows that he'll be condemned immediately for what Kara does. But let me... Look, I'm going to jump into the overview now because I feel like when I get it out of the way, we can talk more about this. Because the overview and the plot of this film is really simple. It's just really confusing at first because you need to know the lore of, like, this world. And again, I, I reiterate, this is set after the third Superman. At this point, Krypton has been destroyed and um, destructed. And... 
that was really confusing for Tony because he was like, I don't understand where they are. It's not explicitly explained. But we figured out what the fuck was going on. So this is my little overview, overview and I'm proud of it because I kept it very brief. Kara is the cousin of Superman and lives on Argo City, a commune of survivors from Krypton. This is vital because they are a commune of survivors living in a one-off city that is floating through space and that is okay. the story of me yeah i know i know <laughs> right that makes that makes way more sense does your overview include how they all already know superman because she explicitly knows a lot about superman yeah. not cal l well she is the cousin of him so she knows what's going on on earth because he returns to krypton many times Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I thought it was Superman, exclusively I mean, like he, Earthbound. So Tony explained a lot to me about the Superman lore, which I can go into with you later, because I am so ignorant to the Superman lore and the Superman universe. But essentially, mm. like in the Superman 1, 2, and 3, he does... People people from Krypton and from Argo City understand what is happening to him on Earth. So okay. they know the story of him. When Kara loses the Omegadron a device that powers Argo City, so without it, their little commune will fall apart. She must pursue it to Earth, where a witch called Selina finds it. Kara, now going by Linda Lee, enrolls at an all-girls school and meets Lois Lane's sister, Lucy. A groundskeeper at the school named Ethan, a super hunk, is given a love potion by the evil Selina who has set her eyes upon him. But instead, he falls in love with our Linda, Supergirl. Selina and Supergirl battle, and Selina sends Supergirl to the Phantom Zone. An old friend from Argo City, and that's Peter O'Toole's character, called mm. Zoltar, is, was banished for Kara's mistake in losing the Omegadron. He helps set her free to face off evil Selina. She does so successfully and returns the Omegadron back to Argo City. And that's where I've left it because nice. the story is truly as simple as that. But it's full of bizarre questions and yes. confusion. And it, it's easily one of the weirder movies to watch on this whole oh, thing. It really, again, it thrusts you into the deep end and you're spent, you, you basically spend an hour being like, what, what, what? what what did i miss something am i stupid but no the film just refuses to explain like anything to you it's like you're running down a river of buck wild bullshit like just constantly awash with confusion (laughs) on what is going on yeah (laughs) and yet at the same time it's like i'm like i get it like there's something over there and she's trying to get it but then like everyone is acting i mean i get that she is an alien but all of the human characters are also acting like aliens. No one does things like people do. <laughs> I I found I found this really confusing because the plot is simple, but mm. the logic of the world is not simple <laughs> at the, all. The plot's simple <laughs> because it kind of felt like I was watching like a season of a bad TV show from the seventies. Yeah, rather or than a you movie. You could be watching a season of a bad TV show from twenty fifteen, also called Supergirl. <laughs> 
I mean, it's up to you. Hey. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was working at JB Hi-Fi. This is like my tagline now in the podcast. I remember when I was working at JB Hi-Fi. When I worked at JB Hi-Fi, we would put away seasons and seasons and seasons of Supergirl because no one wanted to buy it. Um, except that one time this really young, like 10-year-old boy kept buying seasons of it. And I thought it was really endearing. I was like, he loves Supergirl. Um, I hope oh, he's not sexualizing nice. it and just like, just just romanticizes her you know like i hope he looks up to her respects her mm. i the, the the logic of this universe baffled and confounded me she has powers like being able to change in and out of clothes just by th- just by moving like moving between shots mm. or moving behind trees or through shrubs that's a I thing. mean, she emerges out of the ocean already wearing the Supergirl outfit which and is, no one bats an eye about that. Is, what the fuck is with that's that? That's where I stopped the film and I was like, what? And I stopped and rewound. <laughs> no, she just emerges in the Supergirl outfit. And by the way, when she, she leaves her spaceship, she's Supergirl. under a river. She takes yeah. to being Supergirl so well. She just really falls into it. Yeah. She's like, yeah, great. I too am Supergirl. This is what happens to us when we reach Earth. We get this weird little uniform that we can create <laughs> by existing here in this realm. And um, I have these powers now. Similarly, I feel like I missed watching her make the mental leap of, I should attend a boarding school. <laughs> Me too. And I have to go back she's and forth. Suddenly this just is what I mean. The logic enrolling of the plot, a school. The logic is a huge issue. I think that like we've watched films that look worse, that have worse performances, that have a worse cast. This one had an astounding cast. This had fucking Faye Dunaway. This had yeah. Peter O'Toole. This had a great cast of people, but it was just nonsense. It had Peter Cook. It had Peter Cook in it as Nigel the Warlock. Yes. That's huge. That's why he looks familiar. Mowage. Mowage. Yeah. Is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think that um <laughs> it had a great cast and it was part of the Superman franchise, so it was geared to be successful. But the reason it's on this list is the nonsensical plot. The amount of questions mm. that every viewer had. The fact that if you've never watched Superman before, you can't fathom what the fuck's going on. And even if you do, if you have watched Superman before, you still can't fathom what's going on. Well, yeah, I got the impression, like, watching Selena at the beginning, I'm like, I feel like I'm missing a lot, but I know it's not from the first three Superman No, movies. Selena I know is she's a character just from just, here. Yeah, Selena's just a character they, from Supergirl. Like, she was created They don't clarify... Film. Until way too long that she lives in, like, a haunted house ride (laughs) (laughs) with her live-in partner, I guess. Bianca, who's not her... She's, like, her companion. She's, like, her evil companion. Because Nigel, the warlock, played by Peter Cook, is meant to be her boyfriend. Like, she's stuck in a relationship with him. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I I wanted to come swinging out of the gate with this, but this is absolutely a queer film. Like, I don't give a shit how much they wanted to force Ethan on the audience in the back half of this movie. Like, very clearly to me, Selena and Bianca are like, oh, yeah, you know, your aunt and your aunt's friends that they live together their whole life, and, li- like, Supergirl and, uh, what was her name? L- Lacey Lane? L- Lucy, Lucy Lane. Lane. Lucy Lane, like, Lucy Lane is incredibly queer-coded for the 80s and then is she just looking is, at, like... She's just tomboy. She's masked. She's wearing caps yeah. on the side. And, like, she... I, I honestly felt the same. I think Lucy is queer-coded. I think Bianca, who is the evil witch Selena... And, by the way, Selena is a visual icon. Selena was giving me Absolutely. Angelica Houston from Witches vibes. And yes. I literally kept thinking, she reminds me so much of Angelica Houston... 
and that's really funny for a piece of trivia i'll tell you about later but okay i i think bianca was giving me bianca was dressed like every drag queen wishes she could dress in rupaul's drag yeah she had the long earrings she had the uh, pink chiffon looking dress that was tied in at the waist and high collared Mm. she just looked and she had the mullet I was like, she looks like every drag queen wishes they could look on Smith Street in Melbourne. Absolutely. So I loved Bianca's vibes. But Selena was just this glam, witchy goddess. Yeah, absolutely. I, d- I loved Faye Dunaway in this, but she was giving, honestly, the worst performance of her entire life. But I loved her look. She's giving she's giving the worst performance of her career, but she's Faye Dunaway. So that still made her the best performance in this movie. Exactly. It's like she gave the worst performance, but I was still really enjoying watching Faye Dunaway in this film. Cause I was yeah. like, holy shit, it's Faye Dunaway and Peter Cook and Peter O'Toole. Like Peter O'Toole, I don't care if this is shit. Like these are great actors. Yeah. But, um, but what I, what I'm saying though, is that uh, Supergirl, when she's Linda and Lucy Lane stare longingly at each other, and care for each other a lot in this movie, including when Linda goes, like, Lucy's on a date with Jimmy Olsen and then sees Linda and then runs across the street to go hold her. Then later, Linda starts uh, kissing that guy, Ethan, and Lucy looks over from the tractor, like, at that happening. And I'm like, no, nah, there's, th- come on, you can't set this up and then not pay it off. I agree. They're because cowards. at the end, it felt really forced, the idea that, Lucy was shacking up with Jimmy Olsen, who was played by Mark McClure, by the way. And Mark McClure, like Jimmy Olsen's a recurring character in Superman 1, 2, and 3. So he's the only character to reprise this role within this film from the other three Superman films. Mark McClure, I was like, who the fuck is this guy, this whole film? He was Marty McFly's big brother in Back to the Future. Oh. Yeah, he's the guy that works in the fast food restaurant, and then when he comes back after his travels back in time, he works in Mm. a corporate office because now he's more successful. Um, Nice. But that's, yeah. But, like, I, I remember thinking at the end, Lucy shacks up with Jimmy Olsen, and then... Our lovely Supergirl turns around and kisses Ethan, who is a groundskeeper that is given a love potion by evil Selena. Mm. She kisses Ethan. I remember me and Tony were like, they really just thrusted het down our throats. Yeah. Like they really just made it, they really just pushed everybody together for those final scenes. He also has zero personality. He looks like if Tom Cruise and Luke Wilson had a shared nephew. I love that you said, do you, do you recognize him at all? Have you seen him in anything else? I mean, I, he, I, I recognized him in the sense that I thought he looked like <laughs> those two people I just mentioned. He, <laughs> that guy, I was shocked. So he plays... This guy plays, we're talking about Ethan, the lead in this film that Supergirl ends up, you know, kind of just pashing at the end and fucking off. They don't really end up together. I, I do not understand what Ethan's deal was the whole movie. Yeah, I, I mean, could he's not just fathom this, what was he's, going on. He's a hunky groundskeeper at the school that Selena takes a fancy to. So she gives him a love potion, but he ends up liking Supergirl instead. And Selena's pissed off and they end up battling. And that fucked me out because I was like, I hate the idea of these two. Why we've got a female lead. Out. <laughs> that fucked me out. <laughs> I've that's talked not, about this, Michelle. No, it's not what the phrases. <laughs> that fucked me out because Selena 
and Supergirl are our two strong leads and villains, and they're fighting over a fucking man, and he's just this hunky groundskeeper with no personality, and it made me angry. But that guy, yeah. Michelle St. Clair, the guy that plays the groundskeeper that they're fighting over, is none other than Harry from Die Hard, the coke-guzzling guy that works with Die, uh, die Hards, with John McClane's wife, with Holly. And he's, like, the guy that's oh. always, like, doing coke in the office and, like, he has yeah. that nice watch that he's showing off and he gets killed by Hans. That guy. Wow. That yeah. guy. Yeah. He when looks he, very different with a beard. When he turned up, I was like, that's the coke guzzler from Die Hard. And I know that because I watched Die Hard maybe 30 times last year because I was writing an action film. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why. But I... <laughs> yeah, he, he plays Ethan. But I hated the storyline about Ethan and I hated that it derailed the film. I thought they were going to fight over something fun and exciting and zesty. I thought it was going to be more about this like i don't know uh, uh, their greed or their lust for power but it ended up being about a fucking guy it was strange because it was like this is why i said it felt like a tv show in that like until the third act where she does get sent to the phantom zone it feels like a series of episodes where linda and her friend turned lover lucy (laughs) are at a boarding school and then by night linda is actually supergirl and fights off a series of monsters while we cut to selena in a haunted ride for (laughs) whatever reason plotting from afar going huh how will i catch that supergirl she she by the way she actually does what is my favorite thing in any comic book movie (laughs) i'm obsessed with when a character actually says the name of the hero in a way that is like them (laughs) discovering it who is that super girl (laughs) perfect hey who's that guy fighting off all those nazis he's on our side he's like some sort of captain america yeah like (laughs) i was okay also i just i need to bring this up because it's on my mind the logic of this film i know we've touched on it it doesn't make sense because what i understand about this film i watched it i paid attention i looked at the plot i still couldn't fathom it linda well rather supergirl kara her real name she arrives to earth in full supergirl garb and then she observes these private school girls playing like field hockey and she's like all right and she walks behind a tree and emerges in her own little schoolgirl outfit with a black like a brunette wig on and then she enrolls in the girl's school so that's how it happens she observes them playing and she's like cool i'm gonna be a private school girl so she becomes a private school girl she enrolls in this college or this this high school by happenstance the evil warlock nigel played by peter cook is a teacher there and then also selena and nigel who are in a relationship happen to find the omegadron when it lands on earth no he's her beard (laughs) he's her beard yeah but i don't understand (laughs) the coincidence of them finding the omegadron and then her just happening to enroll in the school that he teaches at and also happening to have lucy being at that school because i watch this film and there's no point in the film where she's doing any of this on purpose maybe she is but i couldn't see a scene where you realize that she's made an actual like she has an intent to enroll in the school for a reason it seems like everything is happy coincidence and i fucking hate that you can't do that she wanders through 70 percent of this movie she like does. just sort of falling forwards <laughs> she does the lead lady her name's helen slater was only in superman related things and some tv shows because she wasn't very good she was very lackluster and her greatest claim to fame was being the first supergirl it sucked yeah 
I mean, she's she's very pretty, so that may have somewhat softened my critique of her she, performance. She's very pretty, and I have to say, when I looked at a photo of her, I Tony pointed out she had a really good jaw, and then I looked at her jaw, and I mm. realized she had the slightest cleft chin, and I was like, I wonder if that's why they cast her. She's got the slightest mm. cleft chin, as does Christopher Reeve. And by the way, mm. at the end of our last episode, I couldn't talk about Christopher Reeve because I had just spent a morning <laughs> looking up the tragic tale of him breaking his spine, <laughs> breaking his back, and then <laughs> becoming an invalid. And then his wife sticking by him saying, I still love you. You're still you. You can't go. You can't go. And then he died after nine years of fighting really hard for a happy existence. And he kept dying and coming back to life. He kept having these like near-death experiences and they kept reviving him he finally died nine years later and his wife found out she had lung cancer separate to everything and she died 10 months after him jeez the point is when i read all of this claude woke up and he was like why are you crying and i was like you're never allowed to ride a fucking horse all right because i will stand by you but it will break our marriage into smithereens anyway it's too much for me christopher Reeve breaks my heart i can't think about him he was just so beautiful but he had a cleft chin um my my theory is yeah and also the reason we were laughing through that story was because it's funny. It's, it's funny. It's really funny. No, what's funny is me crying in bed and then having a 30-minute rant to my the love of my life demanding he never ride a horse because I'm crying over Christopher Reeve's tragic tale. What's not funny yeah. is a young, beautiful, cleft-chinned man becoming paralyzed from the neck down. That's not funny. But that's why I'm laughing. It is. It's funny. It's not funny. But yeah, the logic of the world. It's terrible, it's stupid, it's flimsy. You spend the entire film questioning what's going on, but it has amazing actors. Do you want to hear some trivia? Oh, yes, please. IMDb trivia! I didn't mean to ambush you. I just have a lot of trivia for you. In fact, oh, okay. IMDb I am... had 71 items that I had to whittle down. Holy shit. The last couple I've done, I've had to sift through like three pieces of trivia. Yeah, for sure. Because like everything we've done recently, it's like five pieces at best. Like yeah, for next Karate Kid, I went outside of IMDb to find trivia. <laughs> sometimes you got to do that. Seventy-one pieces. Are you ready for a couple of couple of interesting pieces here? I am. I'm. I'm fucking into it. All right, Christopher Reeve. <laughs> oh my god, he's <laughs> just so young. He bowed out just before filming began. He was slated to make a cameo as Superman, but he was unavailable. The film still features a picture of Reeve in costume in a brief cameo. I love that because I was Mm. expecting half of the time that Christopher Reeve was about to just pop in for a second. Like, just be like, hey, it's me on Earth and I'm Clint Clark. Clint Clark. Clint Clark is what I call him. I'm Clint Clark. Clark, The Superman. I I am Clint Clark, Superman. Hey, it's me, Clint Clark. (laughs) Me, I'm Superman. Yeah. Yeah. I work at the Dorley Planet. (laughs) Hey, I'm here saving the world. Me, Clint Clark. Oh, boy. (laughs) Taken too young. Such a beautiful man. The scene where Supergirl flies out of the lake that we were talking about, yes. where she's in her little pod out of Argo City. Traveling through the craziest piece of interdimensional planetary th- yes. space. It looks like they just filmed a lava lamp. Like they got it a does. camera and just dropped it in a lava lamp because it looked like oil and water with lights shining through it. That's what it Zolta, looked like visually. Zolta, when describing it, says like, oh yeah, Earth and stuff is in outer space. We're in inner space, which yeah. is the kind of thing that like, 
linguistically sounds like something, but is completely vapid in meaning and mean when she travels through a lava lamp and then it opens and she's in a river in America is really yeah. confusing. well the scene where supergirl flies out of the lake after that strange interdimensional travel was actually a photograph of helen slater pasted on a wooden cutout the wire yanking her cardboard cutout can be briefly seen in the shot so it's just a fucking cardboard cutout that yanked out of the lake and you can see it i went back to rewatch the scene and you can really see it's just this like schlocky cardboard cutout of her hands over her head they didn't they didn't do the normal thing you do when filming someone bursting out of water of just get them to jump in and then reverse it yeah i don't think they had that technology back in 1984 yeah they (laughs) didn't know how to reverse film (laughs) (laughs) so this is fun because i thought the flying sequences were the worst special effect of the entire film but i loved them for the romance helen slater had to train three hours a day for three months to do the outdoor flying sequences where she was suspended by wires from a 200 foot tower crane Wow. And that's huge because I thought the flying sequences, again, the actual like special effect of her flying over cities looked terrible. It's aged terribly. But I didn't care because I was still kind of swept away. I was like, whoa, Mm. she's like flying near these like wild stallions and brumbies and she's flying over New York City. And even though it looked shit, I didn't care because I think if I was the way you were with like Karate Kid, the next Karate Kid, if I was like an eight year old girl watching this in 1984, it would have blown my mind. It really would have, especially because I'm blonde and she's blonde. Oh my God. What what is it? (laughs) You know, I was going to judge you again for this, but you know, I said I uh, relate to people because if they have the same haircut. So I guess. (laughs) I'm the same. Yeah, you like the next Karate Kid because she was brunette with a fringe. All right, that's Let not me the like only this reason. Blonde woman <laughs> with long hair and no fringe. Um, I love this because I think this explains the insane gaps of logic with the eventual plot of the film. The original script had Supergirl trying to rescue Superman who had fallen ill due to Selena's magic. So the idea of like Selena Selena casting a spell on Superman and Supergirl, his cousin, has to save him. I kind of get that. And I think that's probably why Selena made sense as a character. But taking that plot line out of it and just having Selena as a witch with no Superman involved was super bizarre. Yeah, especially especially since, I mean, maybe it's more so in the first three, but like... I don't know. A, a lot of comic book things try to find a line between a superhero is fundamentally just magic, right? But it does try and often make a distinction between superpowers and outright magic. And in this, yeah. it's like she's a witch. And I'm like, I didn't realize this was a magic is real universe because he has superpowers and she has superpowers because they're aliens. And that's a very yeah. different vibe. And also, Nigel has powers because he has a very a- exotic tribal looking stick that they describe as pure evil. I don't like that we do that. I, I only just remembered that now, and that makes me really uncomfortable when we do that. We're like, oh, this yeah. thing is pure evil, and then it's just something that's clearly, like, it's tribal, quote, unquote, yeah. tribal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree 100%. Here's um, a, a, a slice of trivia that offends all the tall, go- tall girls that are listening to this, including yeah. me, Michelle. <laughs> Brooke Shields was the first choice for the role of Supergirl, Hell but she yeah. was turned down because of her six-foot height. 
And that's it's, bullshit. It's Supergirl. She's, She's superpowered. Super right? I'm like, isn't tall known to be attractive and like a quality that you want? Isn't being tall being more powerful? Why wouldn't it's, you want your Supergirl to be fucking six foot? She's it, she's literally Supergirl. She should be allowed to be tall. They're just, they just don't like it when women are tall. They like, really don't. And also, it's not about a framing thing because I distinctly saw at least one shot in this where Jimmy Olsen and Lucy Lane were in the same shot and they did not put any fucking effort into framing for the height discrepancy whatsoever because she was out of shot right she was out of shot you you gotta frame them both in just (laughs) that's that's a note i had and me and tony talked about this i was like why didn't they bother to give why didn't they bother to frame people's faces properly just because people always half out of shot all the time yeah you gotta pick like include the head or the chin you have to pick one move them further back always just a bit too close i was like please pull back a tiny bit i want to see the end of his chin not half of his chin it's bizarre not casting brook shields it it reminds me of how they used to literally uh prescribe cis women hormone treatments if they were getting too tall oh that's so sad so much of what we understand about physical gender is through enforcement and enforcement only god i take so much pride in being six foot i love it i wish i was taller and i wish i was blonder i could oh be super girl i could i, look, I could also I've gone through... is known to be a sex icon what the fuck yeah I- i've gone through many phases of feeling very uncomfortable with the fact that i'm six foot two which is not just tall i would always joke like it's it's tall but it's also like that borderline where it's too tall but i i, I like being tall tall's tall's cool Hell yeah. And also, sure, it's cool. People's sizes are fine, is the whole overall point. <laughs> Sounds like confidence is waning the more you're talking about it. Because I'm like worried I'm not making the tall. point. Tall's just... <laughs> tall, tall, cool. It's hard yeah, for me of. to talk positively about myself, all right? Let me alone. <laughs> uh, fair enough. This, I love this. I couldn't stop thinking about this after I read this. Dolly Parton was offered $7 million to take the role of Selena, the witch. But she turned it down, claiming she could never play a witch. What the what the fuck what the fuck? What the yeah. fuck? I mean Dolly Parton is a good Christian woman. I feel like it might go against her brand, perhaps, because there's a lot of like you know, demonic imagery around Selena as a role. I actually can't even imagine. I have to say, I can't imagine Dolly Parton in this role because Dolly Parton is too fucking good. She'd play Glenda the Good Witch. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I agree with you there. I just, I hate, like, it's too it's too pick and choosy. I mean, she's like, witches are, go against good Christian self. She also loves drag queens. And I'm like, both of these things are... some christians are okay with and (laughs) some christians are against (laughs) both of these things are the devil's work yeah (laughs) that's the point i was making but i I, that was this if you i couldn't possibly think of a fact weirder than that one seven million dollars that must have been 50 percent of this budget to go to potentially dolly parton i was wondering how they got faye dunaway they must have given her at least six of the seven (laughs) (laughs) yeah i honestly think so i just yeah dolly parton is i mean she's so successful that in 1984 they offered her seven million dollars and she was like i can't do that it's like not it's not within my brand and she can just throw that money away and i respect that and i love that (laughs) here's a couple of people that were meant to play certain roles or rather considered to play certain roles or approached to play certain roles john travolta was approached to play ethan which is what (laughs) yeah demi moore 
was slated to play Lucy Lane, but she opted out at the last moment. What? And Melanie Griffith, the daughter of Tippi Hendren and the mother of Dakota Johnson, was considered for the role of Supergirl. Wow! Yeah. So there's heaps of people that were, like, kind of in and out of this project, considered, slated, cast removed like lots of stars floating yeah. around this project it's so strange Hence. i mean i guess like for one thing superman one was a real cultural touchstone of the time really and was. then they very clearly just wanted to like throw a lot of stars at it we do that now like hollywood just does that they're like if enough stars are in it people will go watch it and it's true i mean this because this had faye dunaway and peter cook and peter atul i was like yeah this is great like this is faye dunaway <laughs> fuck yeah i want to watch it i love network <laughs> I love Patty Chayevsky. <laughs> His well, I got really I'm Abigail. I love Patty Chayevsky. <laughs> that's that's Speaking that's you. Because it's small. funny. Now I'm getting bullied. This isn't right. I should be bullying you, you fucking brunette nerd. How'd you know? <laughs> Here's Speaking of Peter Cook. I was really excited that Peter Cook was in here because I love Peter Cook and Dudley Moore and um yeah, I just got I get really excited by any English comedian being in anything. So apparently Dudley Moore, his comedic partner, was offered four million dollars to play Zoltar. Wow. But he turned the offer down and suggested his former TV partner, Peter Cook. But Peter Cook went on instead to play Nigel. Peter Cook would later complain of Faye Dunaway's diva behavior on this film because he played her warlock boyfriend. Yeah. And her constant lack of punctuality resulting in delays in shooting. At one point, the producers even considered replacing Faye Dunaway with Angelica Houston. Wow. Whoa. Exactly. I find that so bizarre because, again, I was watching Faye Dunaway and I was like, this could easily be Angelica Houston. This is giving me mad witches vibes. Also, imagine being, like, so, like, unprofessional that they're, like, consi- on Supergirl considering firing Faye Dunaway. Like- yeah, exactly. Imagine being so intolerable that you, Faye Dunaway, may get fired for being intolerable as Faye Dunaway. From Supergirl. Like, not from, from <laughs> beautiful, high, but, like, from Supergirl. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Um... Here's another fun piece of trivia. I mean, I've got lots. I've really got to power through these. This is a fun piece of trivia, especially hearkening back to the days of Elektra with Jennifer Garner. Hey. This is the first superhero film ever to feature a woman in the lead role. Um, I think you'll fun. find if you look through BuzzFeed that that was Wonder Woman, okay? It's the only <laughs> film to ever star a woman. BuzzFeed is a very reputable source. I'm sorry, I recant my hours and hours of research my fingers really got whittled to the bone by looking up snippets of information to retell to you michelle st Clair, in this podcast rating descending at gmail.com email us thank you just do better next time um but that Sorry, really was michelle. how the discourse around wonder woman felt like it's like disney's first gay character um, you'll have to search through 12 different movies to find it, but... <laughs> what is Disney's first gay character? Well, What's like Disney's I, I don't, first on your gay definition. character? That's my big question for you. Oh, well, that's a very different question, because they've had, like, eight movies in a row where they've said it's their first openly gay character, and then they <laughs> I think you'll aren't. find it's Iago from The Lion King, so check your nice. privilege, sweaty. Iago is from Aladdin, though. Oh, fuck. Look, I'm not... A, I don't fucking hate Disney. Do Get you off my mean- dick. Do you mean uh, Zazu, I think was his name, or whatever, from The Lion King, the bird? 
Or do you yeah, mean Iago, the bird from Aladdin? Won. Okay, yeah, Shut from up, Lion Michelle. King. Shut up. You don't only know that because you're gay. And as I said, gay coded character. <laughs> Liking really the Disney Renaissance era is maybe the least gay thing about me. Pretty, pretty. Yeah, that is straight culture, isn't it? Liking the <laughs> yeah. Disney Renaissance era. That is straight <laughs> yeah. girl culture is loving like Beauty and the Beast from 1991, two. I'm pretty I'm sure really got to get my dates down to nail this. It's the first line, animated picture on. nominated for best picture. 1991, baby. Straight girl culture is loving Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And that's a fact. I mean, I really liked Mulan, so I feel like that one at least tracks a little bit more. Oh, Mulan is definitely fitting within the queer culture at the moment. That is queer coded, for sure. Nailed it. It's cross-dressing, baby. (laughs) A dude thinks he loves a dude. That's gay as fuck. And that's hot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let me finish up this trivia. This is fucking taking an eon. Helen Slater, who played Supergirl, would later play Superman's biological mother, Lara, in Smallville and... Kara's ah. adoptive mother Eliza in Supergirl, the TV show that began in 2015. So, as I said, wow. she went on to continue to reprise roles within the Superman universe, her claim to fame. And because she hit the point of being a woman over 40 in LA, it was only yeah, as mothers. invisible at that point. That's fun. She developed her own superpower, which was becoming absolutely invisible to society when she aged over, the, over 45. Yeah. That's fun. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> you have any more fun trivia? <laughs> yeah, I have really fun trivia. Here's another piece. I mean, I've got heaps, but this is the last two. The okay. film was nominated for two Razzie Awards, including Worst Actor for Peter O'Toole and Worst Actress for Faye Dunaway. Okay, so but Peter two- O'Toole did a fucking sloppy job in this he really did Faye Dunaway put her heart and soul into it but it still wasn't enough I find that this like the fact that this film made two of I think some of the the better actors and actresses in the world get mm. Razzie Awards or nominate yeah. Razzie Awards that's pretty dire that's that's yeah I, I watched this with Brooke like she was feeling very sick and even she especially during the first bit and even when he came back later was like what the fuck is with this guy's performance like not recognizing that it was Peter O'Toole <laughs> like it's so <laughs> off the wall and not in an, a good exciting actor choice way he he really gave an awful performance I remember this is an anecdote for ye listeners at home, which I hope is most of you, we're in a lockdown, you fucking fiends. Um, well, in Melbourne. My mom saw Peter O'Toole performing live in London in the 80s, and she said it was a highlight of her life because she'd always wanted to see Peter O'Toole acting live. He was clearly drunk because when he was delivering his lines, he was just waving back and forth on his feet, unable to remain still. It looked as if he was about to fall into the crowd. Unfortunately, my mother was positioned right underneath Peter O'Toole at the time and she said she looked up at him and realized that she may potentially get crushed by the weight of Peter O'Toole collapsing on top of her and she was terrified that she would die crushed under Peter O'Toole so she was completely prepared to jump out of her seat at any moment and I think that's a really nice insight into Peter O'Toole as a later actor. I mean, watching this, he certainly seems like he was in his cups, to borrow an old phrase. <laughs> yeah, this was definitely Peter O'Toole waving back and forth on stage in London yeah. in the 80s kind of Peter O'Toole, you know? This yeah, is the same absolutely. era. In fact, I'm pretty sure my mum was in London in 1983, which is probably when this was getting filmed. Well, there we go. So, same vibes. This is my last piece of trivia for you, Michelle. Are you listening? Are you quite ready? Are you sitting comfortably? I'm here. I'm here. I'm. Uh, yeah, this episode's going to be end up being longer than Supergirl itself. Um, uh, but I'm here for it. Let's do it. 
Kara Zor-El uses the human identity of Linda Lee in this film. When seeking a last name for her identity, she names herself under, sorry, she names herself after Robert E. Lee as she sees his picture and name in the principal's office. And I love that because Linda Lee names herself after a Confederate soldier. So I think we can safely dox Supergirl. I think she's cancelled. I, I know I consciously registered at the time that it was a thing of Robert E. Lee. Yeah. I don't think I quite then processed. Yeah, she really did just name herself after that Confederate general whose portrait was hanging in the principal's office. Really odd decision on the screenwriter's part. 1984 was a different time. Peter O'Toole was crushing people left, right, and center. So this this is on the same spectrum as Jasper in Twilight as a Confederate for no reason. Like Confederacy has a theme in this podcast. Our themes in this podcast are uh, Confederate Gold and Roger Ebert. Speaking of which, I've got some good reviews for you. Reviews! Supergirl holds a 9% approval rating and has an... What? Fuck that. Supergirl holds a 9% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Many of the reviews were harshly negative, with Dunaway's exceedingly campy performance especially reviled. The consensus oh. reads... I know that feels that feels mean because I genuinely enjoyed Faye Dunaway despite yeah. it being the worst performance I've ever seen. The consensus reads: the effects are cheesy, and Supergirl's wide-eyed, cheery heroine simply isn't interesting to watch for an hour and a half, which is very true because Helen Slater underdelivers mm. completely. Again, she, gives- I, she was very, very pretty, so I may have not had the same severity of opinion on her performance. She had the most luscious golden hair, but she was the the biggest dullard. I liked her her brown curly hair. I knew you would. Shut the fuck this- up. <laughs> <laughs> this is a review left by Dave Kerr. I have no source for where this was left. I think he is just a freelance critic, and I respect that. This <laughs> cool. is one comic book feature that doesn't fly. Zing. And here is a review left by the masterful Roger Ebert, who we love and know so dearly at this point. Why even go to the trouble of making a movie that feels like it's laughing at itself? Mm, uh, Well, I I get what he's trying to say, but also I love watching movies that are laughing at themselves. Yeah, you would. Zing! That's what I say to everything you say now. (laughs) You bullied me earlier. I've just got to get things back on track. I'm the Chad in this duo. Don't you forget it. You are you are a big fan of disproportionate response. <laughs> fuck off, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> In general, <laughs> this is my fucking episode. Here are some reviews left on IMDb. They are all ten out of ten reviews, and they speak right to the heart. This review was left by Seashells with a Z in two thousand. Not nearly as bad as the whiners would have you believe. That's the, that's the, that's the, um, what the fuck? What do you call it? I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to say. (laughs) What the fuck? My brain is dying. Haters? What do you, you know, the, that's the title. Like the, when you're sending an email, when you have a title for the email. Subject line. Okay. Thank you. I was gonna say suburb. My, I think like my brain just saw the word and just fuzzed out the end of it. It was bizarre. Not nearly as bad as the whiners would have you believe is the subject line. Nice. This is not Citizen Kane, but it's well made for what it is. Ten out of ten. <laughs> 
starting your 10 out of 10 with not Citizen Kane and that being the entirety of the review. Actually, that's King shit. That's good. I love that. Well, you're going to love this one. This is another review left by Generations of Wine in 2018. And it's called An Honest Review. And it's also 10 out of 10. (laughs) Yeah. This movie isn't any good. Technically, it's horrible. (laughs) Some of the acting is horrible. The plot really stinks. There's a lot that really sucks about this movie. 10 out of 10. (laughs) What the the fuck? I feel like we're getting to a point where people aren't actually changing their star rating. I think it like defaults to 10 or something. Because there's so many that are just negative. And here's the last one left by Boomer the Boss 9021515. 10 out of 10 review. Subject line is amazing retake on Superman. And God, I miss Ross Robinson in this very moment. I miss Mm. his clear insight, his (laughs) (laughs) objective opinion. I want to know what Bevo 13678 thinks, you know? Oh, God, I miss Bevo too. This is Boomer the Boss. Amazing film, gripped from start to finish. Helen Slater and Faye Dunaway play Supergirl and the villain baddie. 10 out of 10. <laughs> it's probably the best elements of it. You know? That was definitely the best review left out of these three. Yeah, it was the only one that didn't start by going, eh, you know. But Michelle, I have a pressing question. What is your yeah. rating of this delicious, sumptuous 1984 Superman well, look, film? One of my main thoughts when watching this was like... I hate the sentiment in general that X art form is worse now because it's always biased. Like, movies are bad now. Uh, music is bad now. It's always uh, biased, not just because... Ugh, I'm trying to make a fucking point. I don't care. Um, not just because we tend to overly appreciate and like the things we liked when we were children. So, you know, if you're over, tw- if you're over 10, then you just like what you liked when you were 10. Uh but then the other side of it is also, like, we remember the good parts of things. Like, when we think of 70s movies, we go, yeah, an era filled with classics, because we only think of the classics. There's classics being made now. It's just we are aware of all of the bad shit coming out. This is one of the movies that, like, in the 80s, if you're someone who said the 80s were amazing, and I'm trying to make the point that they were the same amount of good as now, this is what I mean, because this is bad, yeah. and this is star-studded and problem-funded. It's a spin-off comic book movie, and it's the 80s. Um, it's also shit uh, But I also on some level would watch it again For for its camp silly factor I certainly would watch it as a group You know for a bad movie night So I can't give it that low I think I'm going to give it uh, I think I'm going to give it a 3.8 It's not quite a 4 Where it's like almost good Because it is bad But like there's something fun about the first 20 minutes and the last 15 minutes uh that i would i'd be willing to watch it again good good insight yes i i look i i was really annoyed by the gaps in plot and i i felt really annoyed that i had to keep going back and restarting it because i couldn't understand what was happening and then upon a further rewatch i still couldn't understand what was happening because it was just the floor of the film itself i that frustrated me but look, we had standout, standout, and you can read that however you want, performances from <laughs> Fade Away, Peter O'Toole, and Peter Cook. And Notable performances. <laughs> and we, I, 
I've struck again. The bar isn't was this a good film? The bar was the bar now is could I tolerate watching it? Like, would I watch it again? Did it make me want to absolutely strangle and grow up myself like Sex in the City 2 did at the beginning of this year? Bad mm. start to 2021 and very foreboding. So for me, because of the fun, hokey moments of this film, I'm going to give it like a solid 4.1. Like it wasn't... Wow. It, I know, I know. But I have no further comment. Wow. This is one of those episodes where... You hated it more and yet rated it higher. Yeah, I didn't actually hate it that much. Me neither. But it's not good. <laughs> I think it was fun. Like it was stupid and the plot was stupid, but like the the, the performances were terrible, but it didn't it almost just didn't matter. The cast was so good. <laughs> I'm just baffled by it. I don't know if I don't even know what to make of it. It's like I need a long sleep. I think I at one point said to Brooke, this movie is an optical illusion because it it <laughs> forces you to not pay attention to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's like those optical illusions that you you click on. Remember those like websites in like the early 2000s when the internet was still forging itself? My favorite website was Click to Amuse, which is like, which was basically a website full of flash games and images of optical illusions. They had like three categories. It was flash games, news, and optical illusions. I love those And the optical illusions page was just image after image of things of you for you to stare at open up and stare at and because our wi-fi was so slow or rather our broadband was so slow you would basically click these images knowing that it would take maybe 10 minutes to slowly load up so you were really excited for the optical illusion i hate how there's like five websites now it's sad this film was that image of the young woman that also looks like an old crone you know that very particular Uh, illusion that's that's my review of supergirl nice okay i think that's accurate Michelle, that was Supergirl. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Rate Descend Pod. You can find us on TikTok at Rating Descending. Or you can email us at ratingdescending at gmail.com. I mean, I love and read all the emails. But you could also, if you wanted, uh, find us and talk to us on our own social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Michelle.StClair. And you can find me balls deep in your mom up top. Up top. Hey, we, I mean, I, I'm not going to high five my, my webcam, but still. I'm also on Instagram under abigailjward.com. No, mm. un- Abigail J. Ward. I forgot how Instagram worked as a platform for a second. Move on. Uh, also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And I'm going to continue my trend of plugging Kairos, which is a film that I edited that's on SBS On Demand. Uh, think to yourself. Keep plugging it. Have I ever watched a movie with... with someone with down syndrome as the lead character let alone someone with a disability as the lead character because you're gonna find that in this fucking movie it's great it's effective i mean tony was saying just today that because you keep plugging it on the podcast he now wants to watch it with his like you know the guy that he's having sex with on the regular but isn't his boyfriend but they're probably gonna shack up at some point like that kind of guy well i would always refer to when we live together them as a sex guest and you hated that well (laughs) Oh God, I don't want to delve into this fight again. This is, this is opening too many old wounds. It's not uh, yes. fun when they're there and you're calling them that in front of them. That's not I'm fun. I'm sorry. I guess I'll just lie about the situation. Oh, you're some <laughs> strange person in my house and I have no idea what you're doing. Well, Michelle, 
what are we watching next week? Next week, I'm so excited for this one because next week we are watching Grease 2. Yeah, and we're going to have a very special guest star for that episode. She is a friend and a darling and someone I hold dear and close to my heart, but I'm not going to tell you who it is yet because it's a surprise. So you'll have to wait for next week, you absolute fucking fiends. What I'm excited for is I feel like there were a lot of questions left open at the end of Greece that I, I'm really excited to finally get some answers on. Like, yeah. how do they fly? Uh, where do they go? <laughs> yeah, if Greece 2 isn't set on the planet Neptune where their red car <laughs> arrives. Wait, they didn't just fly like, well, somewhere else. They flew into space. Yeah, what? <laughs> if that's not the beginning of Greece 2, I'm fucking suing. Danny? Danny?